What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to yet another bonus episode of the Deer Gear Podcast, where I am joined by Dorge from Firenock and Dave Murray of Vital Limits to talk about Knox. Now, if you're anything like me, you just kind of accept the knock that comes standard on your arrow or you're switching them out for lighted knocks right away. But do you really know how important the knock is to your arrow? I know I didn't, but after this conversation, I have a complete new understanding of how important knocks are to your arrow. Think of this, your knock is the only thing that keeps your arrow connected to your bow. And when I asked Dorge how important are knocks, he said, just think of it as tires to your car. So if that doesn't tell you how important they are, you need to listen to this episode. There is some really great information on some things that you probably didn't even know could affect you. So if you're finding value in these episodes with Dorge, please share them with a friend. I know there are people out there that don't understand all this stuff and it could be crucial to getting the best experience possible as an archer. Now, chances are, as you're listening to this, we are at the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, in the Archery Hall. Exodus is in booth 927, and Firenox there as well in booth 919. So, if you have any questions for me, if you have any questions for Dorge, we're gonna be in the Archery Hall at the Great American Outdoor Show all 10 days. So stop by and see us. I know Dorge is really looking forward to talking to everyone at the trade show. So come by, ask questions, and have your mind blown. But for now, let's get into today's episode. All right, everyone. I am live again with Dorge and Dave Murray. Uh, Dorge from Fire Knock, Dave from Vital Limits. Again, we're diving into some more um, archery-specific topics here. If you haven't already listened to the previous episodes we've done, uh, it's pretty crucial that you go back and listen to those because we're moving on, and it's kind of a progression here. you got to understand what previously happened to really have a full grasp on what's happening now and our goal we're not doing this just to talk the three of us our goal here is to really educate you guys on um arrows and everything that goes into it so thanks uh dorge and dave for sitting down with me again this morning how are you guys doing pleasure's all mine I'm, I'm doing wonderful just a little bit cold in the central illinois here <laughs> oh yeah how's the weather up there for you dave not bad. I think I'm right around 37 degrees right now, warm today. 37? Yeah. We, we just bumped up to 21 from 11. <laughs> yeah, that's it was, the same for us, cold. too. It, it, was, it was cold, but today was an on-ball day, so I think it's going to get cold again in the next couple of days. Well, cool. Yeah, let's, uh, let's, good thing we're inside here recording. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, I think we, we should dive into two extreme components that people overlook and how critical they are. I mean, the, the funny thing is that I'm, I'm going to talk, I think today we're going to talk about basic inserts. When I say inserts, I want to clarify what that word means. Because inserts are an extreme wide bunch because like arrow size. The moment the arrow size change, the insert approach, and also uh, uh, what they can and cannot do differs. So I think today I'm going to focus on insert that's around 246,000 to 300,000. I'm going to leave 204, 166, and anything larger, like the target inserts, 
slash few points in a different area, in a different topic. Because when you move to 166 and 204, I think that alone is worth about episode, if not two. It was that critical, which is also a lot of people just saying, well, just because you learn how to fix a car. When you got an 18 wheeler on a motorcycle in front of you, it's a different ballgame. And I pretty much have the same feeling for that. And uh, just to touch on, since we started to find out as Knox, I think the first topic we want to tackle is Knox. But even in Knox, I want to sort of focus on vertical bow for now and maybe touch a little bit on crossbow and what they are. I think that will be a good starting point for today. In other words, I'm looking at two basic ends of an arrow, the knock and an insert. And maybe touch on uh, simple things like field point if we have the time. Because it just depends on how... You know, it, it can go deep real fast, but I didn't want to go that deep. But if I do, that's the reason I got Dave and you to hold me back. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first thing I want to talk about is knocks. Knocks are something that people just think, people just like, I always say, I remember you're old enough to remember the commercial, motor oil is motor oil. And people think about knocks are knocks. Well, that's, that's uh, actually, it cannot be further from the truth. Let me give you an idea. The knocks are tires of a car. And if you are a guy who knows cars, I think that pretty much said it all. Because see, that's the only piece that connect your bow and transfer the energy to the projectile, okay? And a lot of people in the old days say, well, knocks is nothing more than holding to the string so that the string can put energy into the knock and then let go. As a matter of fact, that is the first pattern that fire filed. The first thing we recognize is that we dig a, quite a bit of slow motion photography on what Knox actually does. It is amazing of what it actually does. Think about it. The Knox has to absorb all the energy, or actually more like absorb, will give you the best reasonable ability to absorb the energy from the shock of the stri string and transfer it directly to the shaft. While doing so, you need to make sure the energy is actually perfectly straight. You need to fit the quote unquote the shaft perfectly. Now that's where the killer is. But then on top of that, you want to make sure they're absolutely consistent. Do you know on this currently on this planet, there's only two companies who do single cavity, single mode? Do you know what that means? I do. I'll see if Cam does. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, first of all, we, uh, there's only two companies I know that do single cavity, single mode. The whole idea is that when you mold polycarbonate, which is what not all knocks are, the when you mold it, it usually call a it's called injection molding process. When you mold it, that means you you grind some plastic bits into this melting thing, and then you squeeze it into this mold, and then you're gonna knock. And I know I, mean, I know most people are not really into manufacturing process, but I want to sort of guide you what that means. Polycarbonate is a pretty weird material, and most people just think of plastic is plastic, but they need to think about polycarbonate in this class is very difficult to work with. And it's, it's like flowers, flour as in baking flowers. The cheap ones are like 20 cents, the expensive ones are like $20 a pound. So the more precise and more chemical balance you got on the material, and the rawer the material, the better the product. But then we now face into a really big deal is that when you go to translucent polycarbonate, it's a whole different ballgame. I mean, for the old timers, they remember knocks are usually made of basic four colors. Your black, your white, your, your yellow, and your blue. That's it. And none of them give out, transmit any light. Do you know why they are that color? Easiest to see. 
No, because those colors are the most impact resistant color. Oh. The moment you go to like, uh, like fine arts translucent color, you're forcing the polycarbonate to behave like glass. So when they behave like glass, that means that the, the, the property of how polycarbonate cure become more critical. Polycarbonate is like an exoskeleton of an insect. It's cured from the outside in, which means the outside part is the hardest and the inner it gets, the softer it gets. Which means when you make a knock, unlike the solid color, you want to make sure the wall thickness around the entire unit is even. Otherwise the thicker part gets soft and, and then that's easy to break off because remember you got thick part now, which means the inside part take longer to cure, which means they are softer. Now the next thing you know, you say, wow, this is getting very serious in the material science. You bet. <laughs> Best reason, you know, if you look at the fine art knock like the Arginac, that weight currently at 2.8 grains, it can handle a 120 pound push. And the oh. fine art A knock for 204, which only weighs five grains, it also can handle a 120 pound push. If you look at any other company, they pretty much stopped at 80 pounds. Wow. I mean, like like the uh, the yeast, I remember like when Yeastin come up with the full manager dangerous game, they told you you should not push over 80 pounds on it. And ours can handle 120 pounds. George, you mentioned something about um, um, the knock has to be even, the material. The, it, does that have anything to do with the uh, flow rate and it being single cavity? Do you're able to get that precision out of the First knock? First of all, even? I'm so. I'm so glad you pointed that out. The fact is that when you, when people flow knock, uh, material to knock, usually from one of the prong to the other side, which is also the reason when you really look at the knock, they say, oh, the knock left and right is the same. No, they're not the same. That's the reason when you look at the knock, you always want to make sure the index on the knock, when you're holding a knock in your hand or with prongs, we're talking knocks with prongs, not crossbow or anything. You look at the left and right side are never, ever, ever identical. Huh. That's the reason when you pick up a knot and put in your arrow, you need to know, you make sure the fletching and your knot and space has to match. And most people just think that they put the knot, make sure they align with the shaft and forget it. But the fact is that if you look at any single piece of knot design, the knot prongs are different. They always is the notch or the indication on one side of the prongs. Because see, when the knot is being made, the, usually the material will come from one prong, go all the way into the, into the tube and come back on the other side, which means that one side of the prong do not have identical property to the other side of the prong. Well, you say, wow, this is very specific. It is very specific, which is also the reason that when you make your arrow, it's not just from prong to prong. And it's also why Baita and Finart recognize this, how important this is. That's the reason we make a single cavity, single mold. Because see, when you make a multiple injection molding, when the flow of the material will flow into different cavity, the flow rate, the cure rate are never 100% identical. Huh. Which means that even in you, the mold in the same batch, every single cavity, we have a slight variation. The slight variation come from three different areas. The first area is that when you make those cavities, well, we are getting pretty good at it. But when you look at the older mode, anything before 1990s, they are very questionable. Because the, the, the I mean, you know, making a high, uh, a high, uh, high uh, duration mode is so much more expensive. I mean, 
in today's world, you can get a mold in China for about three grand, but our mold from Fine Art costs 60 grand. And I own 17 of them now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people say you must be crazy to, to own that kind of expensive mold, but I want them to be good. So you're you're saying that you got a single cavity injection mold. So basically mm -hmm. you're doing one knock at a time where can you explain like what some of the other manufacturers do in these oh. multi cat like yeah. I, there's probably different flow rates that cause this mm -hmm. consistency matter and then in that flow rate in that tube or that however that goes into when that's taken off what happens to that recycled material oh no we haven't go we just talked about single cavity yet we haven't talked about single mode but single single cavity we haven't talked about virgin flow we want to, uh, right now I just touch on the single to multi cavity. As you can imagine, the more the cavity you had, the more the flow rate variance. We are talking the left and right prong already. We know there's difference. Now imagine the thing is flowing to different areas. What's the importance of the flow rate? Well, because then the, the, the hardening rate of the prongs are no longer the same, which means that when your arrow was touching the string, when they release from the string, the release pressure is no longer identical. Because see, the whole process of doing a archery projectile is make sure every single arrow that you have will leave the bow the same rate, right? We talk about spine alignment to make sure that like the arrow shaft, we make sure it come out at 12 o'clock. Then we do all this and we are not being precise on the knot. So it's like you, you, you do all the whole car suspension tuning and then you put quote unquote tires on it that is of different men I mean of different batches even they if they are on the same manufactured date or different wear rate well you're not gonna the car is not gonna drive right so not only do we have we, we gotta have something more consistent in terms of how the how the materials float in there we have an arrow that's rotating so what you're saying is this this precision in the uh in, in the knock manufactured gives us a more balanced knock versus something that could be weighted more one side and cause little hiccups in the rotational arrow flight going down range. Yes, but see, in our case, it's not that critical, but in some company it is because you think about it. The final S knock is about a, a seven grain. The general public is 10 to 12. Mm -hmm. So we don't have that much of a weight variance, but at the same time, we, our material is so much more precise. Let me go to the last part, what, what virgin flow means. <clears throat> As you make knocks out of polycarbonate, you're gonna have, you, of course, the point where flow through channels and then you very touch the knock. So just like anybody will look at plastic, plastic uh, molding, you notice that, that the piece of material that you cut when you, when you clean, that go to your, your actual product, which is your knock, that piece of plastic is pretty big chunk. And when you're dealing with material that's that expensive, like I said, some of them, them are two cents, two, 20 cents, some of them are $2. We are actually using the $2 class. But then another thing is like people like to use different color knots. Well, do you know that in most cases, just the dye, if you are not using a good manufacturer, like Fine Art use exclusive, the, the Bayer Macalon, because see the dye they use, the tune with the polycarbonate, different colors weight the same. Hmm. And different colors will give you the same identical response rate. Now, of course, things will change. Most companies, what they do is they have to take the knock, 
all the pieces that are left over, the so-called garbage, they will put in a grinder and throw it back in. Mm. And that's what we call regrind. But when you do that, what do you introduce? Dust and bubbles. The virgin, the first time the polycarbonate, you form it the very first time, everything comes out beautiful. And you say, well, you know, after the rewind don't come out two or three times, but you think about it, it's the same thing. You never ever change every single drop in your motor oil because every time you drink, there's some left over there. And the only way to guarantee that do not happen is that we do virgin flow. Now, let me give you a, a rough guesstimate over the cost difference. If you use 20 cents a pound compared to $20 a pound, that's a hundred percent, there's a thousand percent difference in price. If you use a single cavity like us compared to uh, say a 14 cavity, like on the film manufacturer I know, well, that's a 14,000 difference in price. If you do virgin flow without virgin flow, that is actually over 60% difference. Because when you look at it, you flow through that channel and go to say a knock, that that material in that channel cavity is about three to 400% of the weight of the knack, especially 166. Now, George, just so, just so they have some what of understanding, because I get, I get this a, a lot that the last thing people think about most of the time, at least in my experience, is knocks. And you got to go through a little spiel with them. Can you tell us about how critical the, the precision of this manufacturer be, manufacturing becomes when we start using the knock in like variable temperatures, um, cold to extreme hot, how, how critical this becomes on, on how it fits into the serving. Cause sometimes, you know, you're out there bow hunting with the, with the factory knocks and all of a sudden your knock becomes loose on the string and it, it dropped temperature and you're figuring what the hell to do that for. But with your knocks, it doesn't. Well, because see, that, that is where the control of the knot and the material science and the material itself become critical. I mean, like most companies that most of the product will work fantastic in room temperature. The moment you start dropping temperature, things start going really dicey. Because as I said again, the, uh, the polycarbonate in the translucent glass really turn into the behavior of glass at about four degrees. The lower it gets, the more brittle it gets, the more critical the material becomes. And the lighter it gets, the, the more precise the molding process needs to be, and the more precise the flow control needs to be. I mean, think about it. The, the, for the guys which, who are the early, early season guys, got their first year, oh, season's done, they never see, say, 20 degree. No difference. But then when you look at guys who are like me, who hunt until the last day of the season, well, you're going to dip into some. I remember vividly, I, one time I was hunting negative 15 with wind chill, and I take my glove off and grab my hand on the freaking tree stand. It got stuck. I, I'm just glad I didn't put my tongue on it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those conditions is where your material gets critical. I mean, just like, I mean, most people think about it. Oh, well, it's not a big deal. The string and knock touching. I mean, just as simple as this, until you control, first of all, the consistency of the knock, the consistency of the material, 
the consistency of the manufacturing process. You cannot do that. And people say, well, you know, I can get a bag of knocks for something like 15 cents and five knocks is $10 for seven. It's a lot home management more expensive, but I, I think just like I told you, most guys are most are two, three grand, ours are 60. Most people, if you, if you, if you rent, say your injection molding machine, ka-chunk, you got say two, four, 10, 14, 22, with the same machine, I'm gonna get one kachunk per time. And then I also throw away the regrind. So right on the get-go, I mean, my knife is about 70 times more expensive in manufacturing process than anyone else. But then if you do not understand how important this is, it don't matter. I mean, just the same with tires. Some people told me they will never, I mean, I remember my, my, my old timer when I was in Chicago, the guy told me, if you pay more than $30 for a used tire to drive for the next two years, you're crazy. I just went to tire yesterday. With discount, you're talking about 300 bucks a tire. And the guy told me, if you pay more than 30 bucks for a tire, you're crazy. Well, I must be really crazy then. <laughs> but I know that I never ever have major problem with the, with the issue of driving on snow, rain or anything. Now, Doris, you mentioned, you know, several times that your knocks are translucent. Is the, I, I, and, I, and I know, I don't know if we're going to dive down the light at knock rabbit hole uh, today, but um, that translucent helps with the, light at, with the light at knock aspect that it, it allows light to flow versus, you know, you're not getting a, uh, 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 a whole lot of light going through a metal knock. Sometimes they usually have holes dr drilled in them and stuff for the crossbow. But um, I'm sure the translucent does help with the, uh, the light at knock aspect also. Absolutely. But the, the translucent light is, is actually a more critical part. I remember the times we were doing the, the, the fine knock DOD project which is called the instant runway, just to maintain the translucency of the lane that when we shoot out of a Harrier with the out of the Gatling gun, we had to put a piece of felt so that when the gunpowder burns, it doesn't burn the end side of the light and not, so you can't pass light, just to sort of put a piece of felt on it. But the translucent also have a lot of better property because translucent not, in some cases, you can see the imperfection. That means that you are getting a higher quality knock. And translucent also have a softer core. And it, I mean, very like, like, like perfect glass. Perfect glass, you can see through it perfectly. But do you know that it's actually stronger than glass that got bubbles or whatever? Or, or just like if you remember the old days that we still have Coca-Cola bottles, when they reuse the glass, like how many times? The mm -hmm. glass got bubbles, got dust and everything. They now have to go through a full refinery, right? And get raw glass. And wow, you got something that, look at, look at this beautiful bottle. It is not just beautiful. It's that it's made of safety, okay? If the glass, if the, say, if the, imagine you go with glass that got a lot of vimmership and also impurity in it, and you pour hot water or cold water, that glass have a chance to crack or just simply blow up. In the case of the knot, the exact theories apply. Now, and people don't, people also forgot in today's bow is different from the old days. The old days, the bow take one shot at the shock and that's the end of it. 
because we're doing a traditional bow. Say the bow is 75, say 70 pounds. It's 70 pounds downwards. Now, when you do a, say, high level of compound bow, say you're 70 pounds with a 20% that off, you have 14 pounds. And then you go to 70 pounds. But this time it's not a hit, but a continuous pressure. And then drop. If you look at every single magazine who do power curve of a compound bow, in the old days, if you look at recurve, it's a slope with a slight curve from one side, on the high side to the low side, and that's the end of it. But now on the compound bow, especially high level compound bow, it's first of all, we start on the lower side, which is like 14 pounds on the 70 pound bow. It shoot all the way up to 70 pounds. And then it plateaued for a distance of time. Then it dropped down, which means your knot is not handling one shot pressure. It's having the pressure applied to it over the duration. Well, if you think about it, it's different between a point and a line. <laughs> a point is one point. How many points are there on a line? I mean, mathematically, it's infinite. But then we also talk about the time the knot is being compressed. That means in the case of a compound bow, the duration of time from that highest point is easily 40 times longer. Huh. Just, just sort of sit back and think about it. I mean, of course, different bow design would cause it. But what would, I mean, the lowest you're looking at is about 25, the highest is close to. But first, the longer you apply pressure, the more power you can apply to the bow. But at the same time, the more power the knot and the arrow have to handle. Uh, George, um, can you explain a little bit about the uh, compression aspect of your knot to where you know, we can use your, your uh, uh, S-knock in, say, a 246 or down as low as, uh, like, a Carbon Tech Cheetah, which would be, like, in that 243 range, just from a versatility aspect, because so many other knocks, from my understanding, that you may only, it, it may only work for about a thousandth of a variance or a half thousandth, and then that's it. <laughs> right? Oh, gosh. We are going to wrap rabbit hole right now. <laughs> unlike other companies, unlike... When people say 246, or they call it the seven, the, seven, the eight millimeter arrows, or somebody call it seven millimeter, I call it eight, because that's the OD of the shaft. The idea of the shaft is called a 244 class. If you use the traditional SAE, which is American Engineering Standard, you actually will make an arrow around 246,000. And then on you look at all the company who go metric, like Carbon Express, and some of the Eastern, they are 244,000. And Black Eagle make their carne for 245,000. In the case that the smallest, of course, is a carbon impact. Their fat shaft is actually 242,000. And for the people who like to use uh, uh, the carbon force from, from PSE, those are 243,000. All standard shaft. Huh? Or are all standard shaft. They are all standard shaft. That means but there's that no the small standard among them. There's no standard. No, that is, that is no standard. So the the the, the I mean, of course, uh, we've got companies who actually do a little bit on the wider side, and then when you look at uh, some of the widest, which the widest I ever seen is on the carb, uh, on the on the element on the element uh, uh, what do you call it the 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 element shop is actually closer to two forty seven, and I do have seen a few in two forty eight. Quick. Now then, then you ask yourself this question: When you pick a knot, 
every company only have one small issue. They can just make the nut to fit the shaft, period. They don't have to deal with anybody. Now, if you notice, you're talking to a company called Fire So when we make knocks the very first time, I got enlightened. <laughs> because at first, I just simply go and say, oh, I will just talk to my good buddy in Gold Tip and say, hey, uh, Marvin, can you just sell me some knocks? Sure. You send me some knocks. I try to put them in Carbon Express. I say, oh, my God, what put I put myself in? <laughs> it doesn't fit. How can it don't fit? Doesn't fit. Oh, and 246? No. <laughs> So I say, uh, then of course I find out that it's shaft even smaller than 244. I mean, in the case of carbon force and carbon impact, they go all the way to 242. So what do you do about it? Well, I can't just make the knock for every single size out there because remember, we're talking 242, 243, 244, 245, 246, and beyond. So that's try to get go. Hmm? That's a lot of expensive molds too at 60 grand a pop. Exactly. So if you look at my first ever utility patent, it's on fire knock design. So compared to a normal guy who make a knot that fit 1,000, I need to force my knot, I need to train my knot so that you handle no less than four to 5,000 variants. You say, how do I do that? Well, you need to now teach polycarbonate how to behave like springs. And that's what I did. Because remember, we start with a very expensive polycarbonate that we know is soft in the middle. And remember, there's one job the knot have to do is that the knot have to hold the string and let go of the string. And some people say, oh, let's go with the metal. What the metal do? Metal is quick at holding a specific shape, precisely, if you CNC machining. But it's not good at bending, especially in lightweight material class. I mean, can you go make metal bend like crazy? Absolutely. You can make go titanium and something like that. You can do wonders. But do you really want to pay 25 bucks for that? Okay. And what are the benefit of $25 a that? Not much. But that said, oh, just to, for, for public consumption, Fireknock is going to have a metal knock very soon. <laughs> Can't but wait. That's, for, that's for crossbow. Now, give, just give me a hint. When you deal with a knot and a string, just say a... Uh, uh, all final vertical bow is based on 112.5,000. That means if you got a string, that's not 112,000 precisely. All the finite, your G knot, your A knot, your S knot, your V knot is not going to clip on it correctly. That's the original AMO standard. Is that, of course, the target when you look at Eastern is 188,000 and 98,000, but in hunting, it's about 112. But then you go into a situation. I mean, we, I remember one time I was shocked because the guy put a final knot on it and the knot just split in half. I say, what happened? Then I look at the guy's string because at one point, I, the, the thickest string I ever measure is on a Martin bow out of factory at 137,000. Yes, wow. you hear me right. Wow. And my knot is to hold 112. Now, in the case of S knot, it can hold up to 125,000. Now, this is another thing. Most people don't understand knots. Because, see, like, if you use a fine knot G, uh, you find knot, say, uh, a V knot for hunting, on a normal dropway rest, your string should be 112,000. But then when you're going to do spot and stock, you should put your string at closer to 120,000 because you want a knot to hold tighter. 
But then if you are using that, say on the, uh, on the, on the, uh, on the NFA open field uh, three spot, vertical spot shoot, your string at that moment should be around 98 thousands. Huh. Now, most people never thought through it because think about it. If your knot is holding your string tight and your point weight is low, when you do say an ASA, when you pull your bow back, you're going to flow that point very easily. So that's the reason the knot is, first of all, I need to control what I can control, but then I need to educate what I cannot control. As a matter of fact, I got so mad with the situation of the string survey. I actually go ahead and design a string serving jig so I can help people rectify it. And most people think, oh, I'm just going, I mean, just like if you talk to Roe, talk to American Best, talk to Vapor Trail, they will tell you the serving of a string when you're not that controlled correctly, you can make the arrow turn left and right just by changing servings. Oh. And people say, oh, my arrow naturally turned left. Oh, my arrow naturally turned right. The fact is that you can just change the way you put the serving on. You can force the arrow to turn left or right. Huh, interesting. I always thought that was torsion. No, that torsion have that factor too. That's the okay. reason, you know, every single problem you see, there's multiple cause. And everybody thought that was one. No, that's the deeper you dive into it in certain conditions, one will override the other. Like when you get, just like when we talked in the last two episodes, when you when your manufacturing process of arrow is quote unquote more angled and you're resulting a torsion, that will cause the arrow to turn left or right because of the holding of the knot. But at the same time, you also the serving of the of the uh, of the string can also cause the arrow to turn on the left or right. So now, just like because you have one problem that you want to solve, there may be multiple cause. So you're you're not not only have a uh a wide variety in tolerance as far as fitting in the shafts, but also on the, on the throat end of the knock, we have room to play also with the knock, the knock fit um, on the serving, you know, within, within reason, just say, I always use the rule of thumb of five thousandths. Um, right. Unless we get in a crossbow where there's situations like I know, like the uh, death stalker, you know, some, some of them bows just like a U knock, to fit really tight on like 142 thousandths. And that just ends up being the proper, um, uh, the, the, the proper ingredient for that bow. Well, um, just another thing, a lot of people say fine not make knocks for specific company. The answer is just no. I mean, like on a crossbow size, I make knock, that's 110,000 increment. Like the V knock is for 110,000 and the U and, and the U is, uh, the, the C is 120,000. Then we go into U that's 130,000. Then you go to the Q, it's 140,000. And then a J is 155. And finally, the D is 165,000. So we cover pretty much uh, 500,000, 50,000 right there. Now, on, on your on your knocks, when you get it, you get to put them in, you know, we don't need glue or anything. And you've got these ridges on there. Can you tell us a little bit about there's a few of them on there. What do they do? Yeah, that is where the magic is. You notice every other company, if you learn, look at a circle, they, the ridges that they put on usually six. The ridges are on the 12 o'clock, six o'clock, your around 230 and your 430 point. In other words, they are 60 degrees apart from each other. That means when you do that, when you push it inside the shaft, 
it all applied even pressure, which is great, but it doesn't work for us. You know why? Because like another company, they make knock for one shaft, that's their shaft. We have to make knock that work in every shaft. So unlike others, our actually our pattern of process is that imagine you've got a clock and our ridges are actually taller. At the same time, they are placed very differently. They are placed at 100 degrees from each other, not 60. And there's only four of them. The reason you do that, you said, imagine if you compress it, I'm forcing the entire knot to, from a circle to an oval. And that ovaling process of the knot is what I'm able to cover 5,000 in the S knot and cover like 1,500 in the G knot. And uh, I tried, I mean, we are covering close to 7,000 in the A knot, which is an exercise. Now you got, now not to dive too much into this because I'm probably sure we're going to have like a whole target segment, but um, the arrow bushing, you know, that has its own um, capture and effect of the shaft because it's got, you put it in there and it kind of grabs the shaft on the arrow. Yes, the arrow. actually that is really, that's the only way Same I process. can teach a metal to, uh, to go into a round shaft. As a matter of fact, a few companies did that but they did not do it ex extensively. It's called the square peg in the round hole approach. But if you really look at a fine knock, uh, uh, S knock, it's technically a square peg because I'm only using four points, which is a rectangular peg going into a hole. At that moment, instead of the shaft giving, the knock polycarbonate is giving because I'm turning a circle into an oval. In the ovaling process is where you pick, pick up different sizes, but then, Itself, you said, what happened if we go to ACC 360? Now you're doing a 240,000 size. The, the reason that I make ridges is that the ridges are not just for looks, they also have utility in it. Because see, I make the ridges in two different steps. If you shave the steps of the, 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 the S-knot, it will give you uh, exactly 240 and a half thousand. Guess what? That fit the ACC 360. <laughs> <laughs> Because when I come out that time, ACC 360 is one of the more important arrow. And you know, you can possibly make 242,000 to fit 240,000. So also on, on your knock, just to point out, you know, you can buy your knocks just as a knock to use, but they're also compatible for all the, for, to receive the lit functions as far as it's got, they got them, you manufacture them with the holes on each side to receive the circuit end, which is a pretty That's, big benefit. Yeah, because you know, if I'm gonna spend that kind of money, like 60 grand on the mode, and then if I'm gonna spend engineering effort, I wanna do everything. I mean, most people don't understand. If you look at all the top shooters like Tim Gingham or, or Levi Morgan and everybody, when they shoot a target, must, when they pull the arrow from the target, what do they do? They check the shit off the knot. Yes, they do. And like Tim will pull out his pin knock, hold the pin, spin, 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 look at the knock, spin, 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 put the knock on the string, click, click, click. And then everything's good. Then he go for the next shot. Well, if you are not careful, do you think you're going to hit that 11 ring on the next shot? That's how critical knock is because that's something going to screw up. You're pushing all the power is going to knock and then go down. It's just like most people don't, don't know. It's like in car racing. For a racing team, they will use a trailer full of tires in just one race event. Yes, there's only four tires on the car, but the guys will use a full 
trailer worth of tires for one event. And most people say, oh, I got this, that. I shot through five animals, three years. I say, great. It's like, yeah, yeah, yep, you drove your car for 100,000. It is smoother than smooth. You can still drive it. Wait until it rings and snow. <laughs> because yeah. see, in the, in the event of a hunting, nutrition, archery hunting, it is not what could have happened or what normally happened. It's what, so what, when, when shit happens, you want to be able to handle it. Are you suggesting that you should change your knocks year after year? No, <laughs> I'm actually saying that in the case of fire knock, the moment you shoot through an animal, the moment the arrow touched the ground, not on a target, the moment you have a possibility of a touching of a knock, you replace that sucker with godless. Okay. Because it is one of the most important of safety. Because think about it, if the knock blows up, in the case of a crossbow, you're talking at least three, $400. We're talking cam, strings, or more. I mean, those money is aside. In the case of a vertical bow, if they're not gifts, I mean, right now we've got good arrows. They break in pieces. They may just simply slap your hand or maybe make you a bruise. But if you're older time like Beeman's, you're going to see about like 50 fragments of carbon in your hand. I mean, your arm and your wrist is really beyond scary. That's because a knock failed. And then when it fell miserably, it caused the arrow shaft to split, or in the case of crumble and spur. But of course, the new generation arrow shaft, like our air weave, they will cut in pieces like temper gas, which the damage is minimum. But do you still want to go through that? Answer is no. George, I've seen, I've seen a number of shooters like in the target area. They're going to use a uh, like a, a one six six knock on a pin bushing, but the, I, I see a lot of these knocks that are the typical factory knocks have an extremely tall knock seat, I guess you could say, whereas your G knock is very low. It's, and there's no, it doesn't go on the uh, pin knock at a 166, you know what I'm saying? But the, the can you say anything about um, uh, how, how, how that benefits having a, a low knock seat versus a, something tall but i said that well right, actually I... actually that is one of the design you notice i, I when i designed a final s knock that was the first time and the first only attempt i ever had is have the led sticking out as far as i could okay but then i learned one thing polycarbonate as a material is nowhere as strong as a carbon so the shorter the knock the, 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 le the less need to handle and transfer. Because see, just like if you remember Carbon Express crossbow boat, the freaking knock head was that was gigantic. The reason for that, because see, they have fiberglass in their shafts. So that when they shock it, you need the polycarbonate to absorb the shaft before you hit fiberglass. But in the case of all the high, high grade carbon shaft, you want to transfer the force to the shaft ASAP. You don't want the knock to load the power. That's the reason you notice my A knock, my uh, uh, my S, uh, my A knock, my G knock, and so on. They are all extremely short from the knock throw to the shaft. Which I mean, I'm so flattered that a few companies already start following that lead after I did that in 2007. Well, that's what 13 years now, <laughs> 14, 15 now. They finally following that lead and make all their new knock with a really short knock to the shaft. Because by making the knock shorter, which means that you are getting more out of the carbon, 
you also transfer much better because see a knot eventually, when you got a tall and long knot, the force is going through that knot have a longer chance of redirect. But when on on your knots, just getting back to the holes in in the barrel from where the circuits clip in at, one of the benefits, you know, in in utilizing a, a your light and knock system in that knock, is that. Uh, and, and this is in relation to what we we're just talking about is the weight factor is not thrown back at the end. The dynamic of the weight is placed more towards the center of the shaft, which has yeah, some, I mean, it won't feel a, heavy to the shaft. Oh yeah. That's called the FOC weight. Just like our ANAC, a final access knock, uh, the FOC weight and the gene, especially I will just a G9, the FOC weight based on the 29 inch arrow, the effect is only eight grain. In the, in the A knot is 12 grain. But the fact is that the knot actually by itself is 22 grain. Because see, unlike other companies, the entire system is sticking all the way to the back with a big battery. Our battery are actually two inch away from the knot in the front. So the front of center weight distribution is totally different. But then we also give people the train effect because see, now we've got the entire thing in linear fashion. So when the arrow hits, all the way will go forward like a train in, with different, with different uh, cuts behind it. So when you hit all the force will event, you will still follow. In other words, the more you understand how we design it, the more you appreciate how come it works so well, because it take away all the downside of what the arrow supposed was you do not want to do and give you more. So real quickly, can you kind of summarize in the easiest way, um, what could go wrong with having a poorly designed knock uh, compared no, to, we, we haven't even touched the, the fact is that the poorly designed throw. That's what I'm talking about, where it sticks out like two feet past the end of the arrow. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I know that everybody, I'm, we're on video here, but <laughs> he has one of them tall knocks that I was telling you about. It sticks out real far. Yeah, because see, another thing is that if you notice, one of the major patterns that claim of the fine knock is that we are the only knock company who make a knock that will grab the strength and actually only grab it once. That means from the moment the string release, the knot will touch the string once. Do you know some company on our high-speed camera, we saw the knot touches the string 11 times, bounce off the string, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, and then come out. Some of them will bounce to the left, to the right, and to the left. When you have, when you have think about it, that's a total, unreasonable assumption that they will shoot the same when the knot actually bounces off the string more than once. Is I mean, it's like, imagine- hmm? The chances of that happening the same way every time are pretty minimal. This goes impossible. And not to mention, see, I already take the, take the time into making the materials right. I make sure the, the molding is right. Now we're talking the knot throw design because if you look at fire knot first utility pattern on the knot, we emphasize totally on how the knot throw interact with the string. I mean, the fact you said that if we look at most of the knock prongs itself, it comes out parallel. And sometimes the knock prong has got multiple grooves on it. Now, when you shoot that string, that string is going to touch every part of that top groove, isn't it? So how do you guarantee the string go in straight out from the knock? Yeah, you, can. you couldn't. And then if the knock prong is parallel, like two of the company, I know they did it. That means the string is dragging on that two surface. How can you guarantee to be right? 
But when you look closer, look at the final knock design is that the left and right actually is angled outwards. Hmm. That means the moment you pass the shear, which I call it the shear, it's like a trigger shear of a gun. The moment you pass that knock throat and pass the shear point, there's no touching, it's gone. I mean, as a matter of fact, I remember back in 2007, I did the, quite a few tests. I told people, pull your arrow, put the fine knock on it, shoot it through the chronograph. On the case of Eastern gold tip and also uh, boning, on every one of them, the fine knock, knock change alone will give people one feet per second faster on wow. the chrono. <laughs> That's something you can actually measure. And this is not a joke. <laughs> Pretty wild, isn't it? That is. That is. Because see, that's the reason I know that was such an important part. Because see, that was what I discovered when I first designed the knock itself. That's the reason we spent so much effort. To be fair with you, to design the original finite knock, because we are at that moment we're using a magnetic system. The finite S knot is one of the most expensive mode I make because instead of a two, a three-piece mode, it's a five-piece mode. That means the left, right, up, down, back. While most of the knot is up, down, back. Three. This is freaking five. Dorch, did, you, mm -hmm. did you want to go into um, uh, the inserts at all? Today, or do you want? To I don't on? think so because the more we're talking to the knot, I want to talk finish yeah, this, the knot all by itself. And most, most people just don't think that it's that big a deal in the knock. <laughs> no, but I when you no dive idea. into it, you, hmm? I had no idea of the importance of it. I mean, that is not even a thought to replace the knocks or to consider what knocks come on the arrow. I just buy the arrow and then I worry about the inserts. I worry about the broadheads. I worry about the veins and the knocks, just whatever fits is what I use. I had no idea yeah. that there were any like differences. Yeah, and that's the reason when most people who buy their bow, I told them, you want to use fine out knock? You know, our knock is engineered position. In other words, it's not like the old days when you buy a tire, it's about right, you just go ahead and slam it on it. Mm -hmm. But in the current compound bow world, you want to buy, actually 90% of the time that I told people when you buy from American Bears, Paper Trail, whatever, make sure you tell them you're using a fine knock knock. Then they will absolutely perfectly match with your knock. Just like in today's high-speed car world, would you buy a 22 rim to fit a 20-inch tire? You absolutely would not. I mean, you, you won't even get an equivalent of European tire that's close enough. You know that it's not going to work right. But then why would you just go ahead and get a string from somebody who don't know what they're doing? Because remember, the other company tried to make it work for all the other string companies. Their knot is so soft that prong can handle 30,000. Yes, they can handle 30,000, but imagine the stress on the knock and what the knock had to do with the knock prong and what happened when temperature change. Your knock consistency is gonna, remember the moment when the knock go onto the string and the temperature is wrong and it's oversized, you're continuous putting stress on the knock. You're just splitting it. And the moment you apply, apply quote unquote, pressure it's going to give. But then that's also one reason that we never suggest anybody to say, oh, I would just go ahead and drill the knock, cut the knock, shave the knock. You cannot do anything to a knock. Remember, a knock is, 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 is actually cured from the outside in. So it's an exoskeleton of the entire 
you imagine it's a life, you need to think of it like a life piece. The moment you drill it, you cut it, you so on, you're changing the exoskeleton, the hard part. Now, on top of that, when you do all those, you're putting score marks on the knot. And when you apply pressure, those score marks will crack open like a glass, which is also the reason that I say, when you shoot through an animal, you change your knot. Why would you do that? Because when your arrow go through the animal, there's a possibility of calling score marks on the knot. Mm. And then when you go the next shot with it and the temperature go low, those score marks is going to be exactly the same score mark you do with glass. Your, your knot's going to crack right there. Then can you know what the direction of the crack's going to be? Is anybody scarce? But do you want to take that chance? Go for it. It's your money, it's your arm. But my manufacturing, my, my position is that that is the safest, most important thing you should do. Change your knot. But then people say, oh, you know, I just paid $10, $12 for this knot. And I use my knife to shut and close it every time. What are you doing? You're putting score marks on the, on the translucent knot, isn't it? Oh, man, I can't well, even. I'm just <laughs> thinking how many times I've done that in my head. Yeah, but remember, lucky part is that most people hunt in fair weather. Sure. The, the, happens, the, it's not um, that bad. What happens in the summertime when you're sweating all over your equipment, testing it? It's like 90 degrees and you get all the dirt and crud on there. A lot of people don't realize that can score to, you know, put scores enough too. You got to keep them Thank you you. clean. Actually, I got a guy who broke the fire knock and I get it back. Guess what? The guy during the summertime, he always used his hand to hold the string serving. That's another thing. When your hand is holding a string serving, your sweat goes on it. Guess what sweat is? When you dry it, it becomes salt crystals. When your knot fit in your string, it's not right. What you're doing, your, well, the moment you shoot the string, the string is going to rotate no less than about 360, which is 180 degrees each way. If you've got sweat and salt or dirt on your string, you're scoring the inside part of your knot. Yes. I mean, after about after 14 to 15 years of doing fine, 17 doing fine now, I have seen things I never thought possible. Because the freaking the guy was in North Dakota, he was beyond cold. He shot the fire knock, the freaking knock just exploded in front of him. He said, only shot it all through the summer. I said, yes, you're hunting now. You want a clean, good knock. Because at that negative, it's like negative 17 degree. <laughs> That knock, when you put the string on it, he, he was one of the problem. Oh, I shoot a 73 pound bow out of 70 pounds. Say, okay, you, 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 you squeeze three more pounds on it. But then that's exactly what happened. If he had put a brand new knock on it, that would not have happened. That's what happened when people say, oh, well, I, I, I just spent what, $1,600 on a bow plus whatever. They're going to save on that dollar something knock and, and, and ruin the trophy. <laughs> You got a you got a V knock, which is um, pretty versatile in the twenty two series line because you can put lighted knocks in it, but it also takes the place of a bushing that you don't need a, a bushing. And if I remember right, um, it actually adds a little bit more strength in the, the bushing aspect. I think actually, and then you can it's it's more affordable, and because you don't have to buy a bushing, and you you get this knock that you can pop out that's a, still a compression fit knock. Yeah, actually, I'll talk, save that for the day that we want to talk about target arrows, but since you go into it. I the, use that the, I, 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 I've been building with that 
for a, a honey knock on the on the 300 shafts. I absolutely agree. As a matter of fact, do you know that for me personally, last year for my few, a few of my a loyal customer won me personally to build them arrows. Guess what? Everyone was built on a 300 size shaft. Yes. People are going 166, I'm going 300. That's a great and they ask me. They ask me why. I say, I want penetration. I want forgiveness. I want the flattest trajectory. They look at me like I was on crack, but mm -hmm. I'm not. <laughs> you, should, you need to talk to the customer of mine. He say, I used to shoot 166. I say, how's your penetration? He say, oh, it's wonderful. I say, are you sure? He said, yeah, it goes in. I say, what didn't go in? <laughs> And you got all the you got all the options on that shaft from the crossbow lineup. We got the endless and inserts. Yeah, and we, stuff. we will talk about that on the insert. <laughs> but let me let me sort of finish up the knock so that we, we people can understand how wonderful knock is. I mean, I, I really think that this this will pretty much enlighten a lot of people because they never thought there was that much thought to knock. But let me give you another hint on the hunters. You know this fine knock or the fine knock knock on the knock prong. That is a very distinct part for each prongs. You can close your eyes and feel that. And people say, why do you do that? I say, imagine this. You are, you are now, you just, you are not, you just shoot a buck and you missed. Now everybody's alert. You want your second arrow, right? Do you want to take your eyes off your, your target and look at your knock and feather to know which way you put the next arrow? You want to stare at that knock and feel everything with your hand. Now, if you're one of those guys like me who have a second arrow or third arrow on the quiver pointing upwards, the moment you put your hand on top of the arrow shaft, you grab the arrow. Now you feel the knock. You pretty much know which way the vein goes. The moment the deer look the other side, you grab your arrow off the quiver, it should be in your bow at that moment. But if you do not have your knock in index memorized and also felt and do it correctly, you're going to spend at least half a second looking at your vein and say which way you put the knot in, isn't it? Right. Yeah, I've never done that. I, every time I look, every time. Yes. But if you do it correctly and feel the knot, you just save yourself that time of looking at that. You'll be staring at that deer. If you turn around, you're going to froze in midair. <laughs> it's funny because I was, I was looking at this knock that I have and it has that little yes everybody does that because they don't understand what that is i didn't know what it was and i was going to ask you what that was that's exciting that's the knot index so you should always put your knot index the same way for all your arrow because remember i told you the flow of the polycarbonate is from that point where the index side is to the other so that usually is a side that is harder mm. no we're going softer because that's the last one that goes in and the other side is going to be crispier. That's the reason you imagine your left and right, you will never, ever, ever, ever be identical. And that's the reason you want to put your knot 100% identically to the shaft. But yes. at the same time, that, that is how you're able to hold the arrow without looking. You know which way you rotate it already. Does it? That, it. Yeah. Does, um, does that ridge or point or whatever make that side of the knock heavier? It does, but it was needed because you, you're never going to make them identical. In such a case, what you then you need to know which side. Sure. Yeah. That is why because you cannot solve that problem. So you need to find a way to rectify it. And that's how the form is. Because see, it's not just me. It this this form is on every single knot unless they don't know what they're doing. I mean, I I I I'm I'm thinking Curry. I, I mean, 
Tom Cameron, I think you you are like, holy cow, there's that much to a knot. It is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm sitting here rethinking my entire life here. <laughs> now, be, and and that's the reason when my when I first talked to my patent lawyer, he was crazy. He was thinking, oh, you are talking a knock here. You've got 37 claims with that what 14 independent claim on your patent. Now, of course, now I know better. That should split into seven patterns, not one. <laughs> because I pay close to what? 11 grand for all the extra claim per pattern. Now you learned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would be the easiest way for you to kind of just in a one sentence or two sentence sum up how important your knock is to someone? Like, how do we. It is a tire to your car. You imagine how important your tire is. Do you want to wear worn out tires? I mean, imagine you go to a track racing, somebody tell you, I will give you tires for your track racing. You pretty much don't want to go. Sure. I mean, if you imagine me driving in today's weather with an old set of tires, I'm not even going out of the door. Right. But people will have the worn out knocks in cold weather shooting trophies. You are braver than I am. That's all I got to say. So the end of the deal is that if you really want a good set of knocks, this is one thing you need to do. You need to change your knock often. Know your knock from, from feel. The moment you do that, you're going to save you a lot of headache, a lot of heartache. Yeah, and sure. no, I mean, just find the best you can. Why do you think people pay for fire knock knock? Why do you think people pay for biter knocks? But the only difference between biter and fire knock, we are both single cavity, single mode, but we are the only one who do virgin flow. That's the difference. But biter knock also go with the deep colors because see, they want the durability. But then if you look at everybody who use biter knock, the first thing they do, they change their knock often. So durability is never an issue because the people say durability for your knock, you simply say, I want to drive a car for a hundred thousand miles in snow. I say, go for it. <laughs> I'm not sure. going to help you. <laughs> so is the biggest, um, is the biggest downfall from reusing the knocks or using a different kind of knock? Is it the um, possibility of it breaking or does it actually affect the shot enough to where um, like it's detrimental to killing the animal? Well, actually it is. But then at the same time, you're talking the person's skill and mindset. I mean, just like the old commercial, motor oil is motor oil. I mean, if you don't care about your car, you can put the cheapest one. That's the reason people use mobile one or, 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 the, or, or the M's oil. I mean, if it's no important, why bother? But the moment you don't know, you don't care. But the moment you know, how can you not care? Right. That was yeah. the difference. I'm thinking to myself. So I, go ahead, Dave. I, I, I think one of the... Uh, highlights that I always tell people about the knocks is the fire knock is highly versatile, not just in how it fits into different shafts, but when we're talking, when we're hunting variable weather conditions, as we were saying earlier, you know, you could be hunting 40 degrees one day, a couple weeks later, it's the rut and you're in 10 degree weather. Um, you want that to be the same. You want that consistency. You don't want change in in your in your in your relationship from your knock to your serving because that result results in a change in your shot. So the consistency in a knock in the variable uh, weather conditions like temperature, I think, is um, a definite impact on a person's hunt. They can be, you know, the, the meaning of you. You know, if you're an inch off. And you miss the vitals, you're not taking game home. And then your whole your whole trip is shot. Some of these guys are paying, 
three, four, five, eight thousand dollars on a hunt. Can you imagine to go into a uh, you know an extreme weather condition because you're you're there those days. You got kind of no choice. That's what you're doing. And hindsight, you didn't get to take your game home because you didn't want to spend another dollar for a knock. Yeah, that's a, that's an incredible that, analogy there. It's like you spend forty four thousand dollars on a hunt, and you're like, oh man, that knock cost ten bucks. <laughs> like, geez, right? That's, that's a, no actually yeah, right? no no knocks cost ten bucks. The fire not not I've decided because see for us it's the molding process and also the packing process. Any fire not knocks are ten dollars for seven. I mean, if you buy one C two C from my dealers, it's look at two bucks. Ask yourself, you just missed your trophy because you didn't want to change your knock. From the last, say I want a shot last two deer with it. I want to shoot the third deer with it. Well, if you want to have that bragging right, go for it. But when you miss that, you only have yourself to blame. Because if you look at our recommendation, every time you shoot through an animal, anytime when you arrow touch the ground or arrow touch anything, change that knock. It's don't. It's not worth the consideration because many, this is your sport. How many times do you think that happens and people don't even blame the knock for it because they don't know? Oh, actually, more often, especially wow. at the moment when this time of the year, which from season go into the really late season, their knocks are so critical because of the weather. And people say, oh, my God, I just blow my bow. Oh, now it's not just a knocking anymore, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, you, you think this is bad in vertical bow world? Wait until you go to crossbow world. Mm, a lot more pressure. I mean, like, if you look at the Raven 500, the, the, the 10.505. You think this coming season, if people do not know their knock at that power, yes, you're talking, I mean, the, the 10 point shooting about 515 feet per second. I'm the guy who actually deal with the scorpion world, which is start at 425 and all the way to 490, 480. But then the guys are going to pass that. And they don't think about their knock. As a matter of fact, if you look at all the E500, the, the Raven 500, what is the number one consensus when last when 2021 when they come out, everybody got knock problem. Oh. Yep. The higher the power, remember the the, the vertical bull world now we have the power duration is no longer one shot. It's a continuous apply. And they are a lot more. So now it's not just the, the shaft is being stressed. By the way, the heavier the arrow, the worse the knock gets too. Why? Because the knock have handled more momentum. The transfer energy had to be more. So the more you get, the higher power you got, the more so and cool, the more power the the, the bow applies, the more the knot have to convert and transfer to the shaft. Yeah, you, the you, got, you got more resistance just for the matter of the heavier arrow weight. On the other side, it's like sandwiching the knock in between the shaft and the string. Yeah, you're, compressing, that the, you're compressing the plastic. And that's the reason right. I, I'm I'm move, I'm making the knock shorter and shorter so that the entire compression is less. But at the same time, I'm using material to give you that shock absorbing ability. It is like having driving a car with a low with a lower car, which means that your suspension to do more. Would but it be, looks a lot nicer, <laughs> and the handling would, is better too. Would that kind of be the same idea with the higher the let off too? Um, the higher the oh, let -off. absolutely. Because your 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 power your power transfer duration is on the higher band longer. Right. There's bows now with a 95% let off, some oh, some with 70% let off. Um, and that, that's what I'm I'm thinking to myself now. Like that's that's gotta be a lot of pressure, a lot of force at one moment from 
the night well, the it's not one moment well. anymore it's oh, continuous yeah. because you've got the whole plateau right there sure it's all make you rethink the night isn't it yeah i'm i'm thinking about my quiver right now and i'm not even gonna lie to you i have four arrows in my quiver right now and only three of them have the same knock and one of them just a different knock because it fit and i ran out and i just put it in there mm-hmm. because um, people think what's your serving what's it. your serving size How, you think i know whatever that well that's that that was it i, I use that uh, that question as an example because a lot of shooters don't know the serving size they don't know what knock they're putting on it's like putting a you know putting a, a tire on a complete like a 15 inch rim versus an 18 inch rim you, you got to know what you're you're putting it on and you're gonna when you have that match you're gonna have a much better shot on the bow you're gonna have way less aggravation tuning you're gonna have way less aggravation hunting in the uh hunting in, ver- in variable weather george yeah. is, is there a string manufacturer that you recommend to use with your knocks no actually every i mean like 60 uh 60 eggs Paper Trail, American Bass, Row, Joey's, 100%. They all know five knot is 120, 112,000 for that. And, you, and unless you're stocking, unless you're using for target, then you need to talk to your string maker. That's the reason I say that if you are really serious in archery, you need to talk to, you need to know, you need to have your string maker on speed dial because that's one of the most important things. That's because it's a string. <laughs> honestly it i think for a lot of people it's such an afterthought which is most of your knocks but... most of your servings are going to come through and now 112 113 thousands that's what i find some of the manufacturers vapor trail i think uh was doing that if i'm not if i'm not mistaken uh gas does that but um other than that like when i go to order string sets you know, especially in crossbow world, I give them the knock spec, the uh, serving spec that I want um, just based off of, you know, based off of that, because, you know, a lot of people, there are a lot of string manufacturers, they have a receptionist or something at the desk where you email in your order. Um, But it's, it's, it's optimum to know what your tolerance is on your knock and what your serving spec wants to be like when i order uh strings for for uh the raven bows i always request 132 to 134 thousandths that's a little sweet spot we got more tolerance on that with the knock but that gives them a little bit um to shoot for you know if they go you know uh two thousandths up or down um but yeah that's critical and i find out everybody that comes to me i would say 99.9 percent of the people when they first come to me talking about an arrow build the knock is the furthest thing from their mind, unless we're talking about light at knocks. Then we get into the issue of, oh, I got these junk Luminock things that they, and I need tools and a, I mean, you need a snap on truck to get to work with the <laughs> knock versus how easy are they to light? I send them my little YouTube video and I, within about 20 seconds without tools, I show them how to click it on and off. And they're like, well, yeah, and, and, you know, they get the knock and they're like, wow, that's so much better than me needing a set of pliers and twisting it. And then when I shoot it, it doesn't work sometimes. There's a whole mess with that. But, um, yeah, knock, knock serving tolerance um, is is key. And a lot of – every shooter should own a mic. Every every shooter should be able to calibrate their, their serving uh, 
you know, that's, I, I think that's, that's critical. I'd love to take a survey. Um, I'm, I, actually, if you're listening to this or you're watching it on YouTube or listening to it on YouTube, leave a comment in, and tell us whether or not you know what these guys are talking about. If you can calibrate your serving um, and know what your knock tolerances are, because I just off the top of my head, I'm going to go ask Chad after I'm done recording this, and I bet he says no. Um, anyone I talk to, I bet they're going to say no. Because I just like – If I never even thought of it. If yeah. I never even thought of it, it just a knock is just a knock, and I'm going to clip it on my string kind of deal. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's kind of like saying I'm going to go out. That's like saying if you had a Ferrari, I'm just going to go Ford and buy some tires that went on a Prius, slap it on, and expect to do 200 mile around 200 mile an hour around the corner. It ain't going to. Ha- it ain't going to fly. It's incredible, <laughs> absolutely incredible. Well, I'm glad that this, uh, uh, Cameron, I'm glad that you think so too now, because the, this is one of the major deal. I mean, we, as we proceed to different technology, the simplest thing has such implication. Most archers never thought, they told me, oh, I'm so precise in everything. Then, then we, of course, we didn't got a chance to go into inserts, but when we hit inserts, you got a whole different ball game. Now you know why not, I mean, I'm just giving a preview. Fine, I have over 60 inserts for a reason. Insert is not just an insert. <laughs> well, think, well, oh, I'll just get an insert, you know. I, get, I, think, that's a, I think that's a good place to, to end that, a little foreshadowing into mm-hmm. the next time you hear from us. You guys that's have wonderful. any? We were going to go in the inserts a little bit today, and I said, hmm, I'm looking at – I was looking at our little uh, brief topic list, and I'm like, we ain't going to make it just to – I mean, the knocks, we can literally, we can literally, I mean, we can literally do a whole other episode or two episodes, you know, just when we start factoring in light at knocks with the knocks. Um, no, especially the, the new generation of metal knocks. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm using several of my patents just on a freaking knock and the manufacturing process to it is unreal. But you know, we are saying that metal can work, but in cases when you're shooting 500 feet per second more, plastic ends. right yeah you guys have any uh any closing remarks for today no i think a lot of people really should uh, in the crossbow world should really talk to dave dave is one of the more my in other words he is my east coast trainer and he is one of the most seasoned crossbow arrow builder there's people out there who claim that they build the best crossbow the strictest crossbow arrow and so on people have opinions Hmm. And what do they talk about opinions? They are just like assholes. Everybody got one. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, 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 hear, I hear that a lot. You know, oh, well, you got to, you need a zero, zero, one. I think we went over this in one of our last episodes on straightness being a sales gimmick. And I, I just put out a, a post on my Facebook page just a few days ago now. And I put a little arrow pointing to a zero, zero, one. I said, you see that? That's a sales pitch. I said, if you got to, if you, if your marketing basis is, is on arrow straightness and that's the performance end of your, I said, you don't know how to build an arrow. That's for guys that just can't, they can't go above factory. They're not, they're just slapping inserts in. They might spine locate an arrow. They're putting, they're putting a vein on. It's still a helical, but it's, you know, when you're talking blazers and uh, they all do about 15 to 20 rotations at 20 yards for the most part, they're doing the same thing. Um, what are you really getting just different besides yep. your pain? Let's double leave that for, for the arrow veins. 
As yes. a matter of fact, they're 15, you're pushing it. More like 12. <laughs> yeah, well, I did that. I got the video. You're gonna, you're, I'm gonna send that to, to you also when we see you at the show. But, you know, we shot a Raven Arrow and, and it was in a high speed that the Blazer Veins, within approximate six yards, and this is going from 14 to 20 yards, rotates somewhere, I was counting about five to eight rotations in six yards. And then when I look at the video that we did, before with the it shows the impact that was at 20 yards well shoot we got two or three rotations within about two feet you know that's that's just being on the conservative end of it but it's it's rotating that much as compared to the blazer vein yeah well, let, let's let's say way, that for the for the for the vein because, uh, otherwise our, our, our listener will be going to it and get confused all right cameron thank you so much again yeah, yeah thank thanks. you guys appreciate it